It's a new day in the workroom, and here we are. What are we going to talk about? I mean, today we're. Is, I mean, like, is there any drag race left? I, I don't know. Are we running out? Never. <laughs> oh, you, you know, it's an ever, ever sprouting head of, of franchises. Uh, today we'll be doing a roundup of All Star Six just before we reach the finale moment. But first, we're going to chat about Drag Race Holland episode four. I have to say. Watching this episode, I feel this season is almost as good as Canada. That's where it is for me now. It's really climbing up the franchises. I'm really excited by it. Yeah, I am absolutely in agreement with you. This was a spectacularly good episode. I think this is one of my favorite musicals that we've seen. It was it was wacky. I, it was like a fever dream, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Before we get into that, can I just... Because I made this note for the last three times we were to discuss this and we haven't discussed it yet. I wrote in my notes, the badges. Can we please discuss the badges? Why is this badge narrative sp- you know, spreading into another country? Stop trying to make badges happen. Ba- They're happen. not going to happen. No. I understand. No. Uh, no, I actually think it's quite fun. I like it because <laughs> the... Because, like... In UK, obviously, there, there's no, like, proper prizes or prize money and the badge is kind of the only marker of someone who's won. But then, like, I think probably unintentionally in UK, they ended up becoming something that kind of, like, elevated people and were, like, a signifier of your standing in the competition. And I do think that's an interesting element to bring into new things. I kind of hope they bring the badges into all of the seasons of Drag Race. I would oh, be, no. I would be happy to, because like then it really is that like like you know like the conversation the, the like the conversations in All Star Six at the moment how it's all like oh track record track record track record, like it's a visual depiction of track record that then will get into people's heads to be like I don't have a badge yet I don't have a win yet, and then we'll also be like certain people who have like lots of badges will be like look at me up here with my badges look at me up here with my you know. but i feel the franchises that have the badges give them out much more willy-nilly like in the uk they're like you get a badge and you get a badge all the united king dolls got a badge you know there was two winners last week they all but they both got a badge it's just like no can we just stick to the one winner they please? buy them in bulk <laughs> yeah, they probably do but it waters it down i just i don't know i'd rather just the one win and have it as a as a you know, abstract feeling in a room rather than an actual sort of Well, I, I would say that I probably would agree with you on like, you know, even if there is going to be two winners or whatever, or like if there's a whole team of people, like I think that like only giving out one badge to the person who did the best would be the most kind of like the most fun way to keep that sense of sort of like front runner thing like like highlighting the front runner or the actual winners across the week because mm. i like i, I don't know it, you it is annoying because like it was in all stars like in uk season two where like there was like a couple of weeks in a row where like literally just everyone was getting a badge mm. and like and then there was people like going in like with their t-shirts just like weighed down <laughs> under these like <laughs> masses of, uh, of of repeater badges but i i don't know i don't mind it i like it i'm enjoying it i'm there for it Okay, I'm not, but that's right. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what you're not there for, I don't think, and I still am, is the reading challenge. I feel you're over it. I think that it's never that funny, yeah. I thought there was maybe... <laughs> My Little Pony was the funniest in the reading challenge by about mm-hmm. a million miles, but a lot of them are just... Like, it's just... Do you know what it is? It's the same jokes all the time. Yeah. It's the yeah. same jokes all the time. And, like, that's fine. You know what? the same joke can be funny but you need to tell it a different way the problem is a lot of it is just like oh you're fat or 
oh, you're old or, you know. You're plastic. Yeah, exactly. You're a whore. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Do better. If you're going to try and, mm. if you're going to try and like have those jokes, just do better. You do sometimes get a queen who kind of has a different style to comedy and that just sounds really fresh. Like I always think of Benzelic Rem's one for Trixie Mattel, which is like, you always say you paint for the back of the room, which is perfect because that's when your crowd gathers, when you lock the door. I like, <laughs> just think that's like, you, that's just, that's smart yeah. humor and you don't really get that. It's normally just like, hey, look at you, you're a fat whore. And then everyone is like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I, like the one, one, My Little Poonies 2 that I did think where... Um, were quite funny was the one around oh like our relationship is like this competition and that there's one top and one bottom and then there was another one around like asking um Vanessa Van Cartier like whether like kind of like shadily being like oh I'm assuming it's still under warranty kind of like mm. those are like things where it's like a, like it's it's taking the the it's elevating the humor to kind of a slightly more clever place but you are right a lot of it is just like hey look at you you're disgusting and terrible Ugh, you're gross and it's like that's not a read that's just like a load of insults yeah yeah no it, this wasn't great and to be fair i was kind of like also Maybe. i'm just gonna like jump down a completely different rabbit hole now this is something that i've managed to bring up mentally over the last couple mm. of weeks where's our chubby pick remember where has our chubby pick remember gone Oh, there was like there was like you know they were obviously put on a fucking diet and we're like you know what actually we were all about inclusivity for that one minute but actually <laughs> we would prefer to just continue down the line of abs and bulges like bulges where bulges are meant to be not where we don't want to see bulges because we're have we seen the full suite of the pit crew yet i don't think we have but we've had them in every episode I'm pretty sure. So I do remember, was it the start of season one where they brought in champagne and someone knocked over the champagne? Abby, oh my God. Was yeah. That, was, is that a thing? Am I imagining that? No, I th- there definitely was like a kind of like they brought in the pit crew and introduced the pit crew and there was a lineup of people and it was like a mix of different, you know, sizes mm. and whatever. Uh, well, not even a mix of different sizes. It was like It was four, like one different. Yeah. It was, spot the difference. Yeah, exactly. It was like kind of, you know, here is the gay club and then this is where the bears go. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and I was and it's a bit of me like to be honest with you I, I am genuinely kind of and like no I was going to go and like second guess myself no I want more diversity in that pit crew I want them to start having trans mask people in there why not have a well possibly having a trans femme person wouldn't necessarily fulfill the like overall aesthetic of what you're going for by like including female or female presenting people in the lineup but I want more diversity in the pit crew in order to celebrate the diversity of kind of like the sort of like the the beauty within each person. And it's not so much about this is a person that we're all lusting after who's sexy. It's about here comes a body confident person who looks great. Yeah. And even just in terms of skin tone, like there could be a lot more done in terms of diversity as well. I would agree with that. No, I, I am with you there. Actually, and before we even get into the challenge, another thing that I noted that I, I sort of only... I, it hasn't been on my mind the last few weeks, but I kind of made the realisation this week that that Marika Samalo gal is useless. She brings nothing to the show. And then in this week's episode, she is like incredibly bitchy towards Vivaldi, being like, oh my God, you did that with a plastic dress? <laughs> I agreed with her on that one. I'm like going to fight the corner of that. And I'm also going to come for Vivaldi heavily when we get to that statement piece, because honestly, like... But I, she, I just thought she did it in such a rude way. 
No, I think Vivaldi was like underprepared and her mm-hmm. look had nothing to do with what she was saying. Agreed. And also like, how do you not understand the privileged position you're in if you're able to be like, drag is nothing to do with politics. It's just about the party. You know, and like kind of then like, and I'm just going to, you know, deforestation. It's like really like just deforestation. And then you come out wearing something that I thought was about like either when I saw it initially, I was like, is this about like the death of the coral reef? Or is this about like the like the meat, like the the like the in, in, the environmental damage caused by like industrial farming and like meat processing? It was like confusion all over the place. And I genuinely was like. Like, it is an absolute example of someone being underprepared and not taking it seriously that you would be like, oh, I'm going to make a statement about, oh, I don't know, climate change by wearing a dress made out of plastic. You yeah, know, no, but have no, a sustainable look was, if you're going to if it, you're going to talk about like environmental sustainability, at least carry it through to the materials you're using. But also, where were the trees? Where were the trees? There was no trees. It was a deforestation dress. It made no sense. I, I totally deep. agree with you on that. But she was really rude. And she sat there with a smoke face on her and her condom earrings. And I just was like, you know what? I don't need you. Bring back Nikki Pless. I don't think any of us need that. But. No, I'd rather her than this Sabalo girl. She doesn't say, every week she doesn't say anything. She's only there because they've got the arrangement with the Milkshake Festival. Like She is 100% yeah. just there because they've got the arrangement with the Milkshake Festival. I agree with you. She doesn't really add too much to the judging panel. She's not fulfilling that like, um, like especially like I suppose after we saw on Drag Race Spain, the like the grace kind of mm. vibe between the, the, the judging panel. Like the judging panel still... Like, Fred is the only person on the judging panel who I, I really am kind of, you know, who's adding anything mm. to it. I do think that the other Dermola are kind of a little bit of a throwaway. I've liked, I liked that girl who was on today, the, like, the one who said she was just there because diversity quota. Raven Von Durst. Yeah, I liked her. I thought she was good. Yeah. She's she's back next week as well. So she, her, she's one of the recurring ones with Carlo. Yes. So she's... So, yeah, I like her as well. She seems good. I don't like Carlo. No, I'm not. I'm not there. Like, Carlo is sort of... Like, he's always... Like, I... I think that it's about like understanding the role you're in and like Carlo you're not there to you're not you're not performing you're there to assess mm. other people's performances and I think that one of the things that makes up a bad drag race judge is when someone comes along and they're like this is my moment to shine so I'm going to like try and be like I'm going to pull focus it's like no bitch you like give good critique give proper kind of you know like assessments try and be funny where it's but don't come in there and try and like drag focus off the main stage onto you like that just comes off as like needy and i think carlo yeah i'd love to know what his queer art credentials are because i'm gonna guess they are zero limited limited So talk to me about the musical. You loved it. Who stood out for you? I thought it was absolutely bonkers. And I did also think that the judging was bonkers because I think that you can't... Like, essentially what happened to the three sisters, and I enjoyed all of the three sisters' performances. Like, I did. Like I, I do think that Ivy got kind of... Okay, so Tabitha was the winner. Tabitha should have won the whole thing. Tabitha was brilliant. Right across this entire episode, I thought that Tabitha was the funniest. I really enjoyed the look. The personal statement was really, like, affecting and powerful and obviously something that re- resonates strongly with me, but I felt like was, was was should have won. For me, Tabitha gave an Alexis Michelle as Chris Kardashian in Kardashian the Rusical level of performance and should have won. I... But overall, I enjoyed the rest of it. I, that was one decision I didn't really enjoy. And actually, I think it's because they were. I felt that they were all quite good that I kind of felt it was sort of like it was really splitting hairs when it came to like the three sisters to kind of be like, well, 
you're going to be in the bottom. It's as a victim of the fact that you didn't have the airtime, but the part you were given didn't didn't have the airtime. The airtime. Now, yeah. I did have to say, like, whoever made that decision to to like make Ivy a mermaid and and put her in a wheelchair, I'm like, what was that? You know? Yeah, and and Freak Freak, your man, the the guest judge, he kept being like. Wheelchairs are so funny. You can make such comedy out of a wheelchair and you didn't make us laugh. So missed opportunity. I was like, so when in my comedy 101 book did I miss wheelchairs are funny? Yeah, exactly. And like, (laughs) oh my God, I have never seen something more hilarious. But like, I I also like, I mean, and I know that you, you want, you don't want to like risk threading into kind of like getting overly assessing of like whether things are offensive or not but i was there was a bit of me that was like asking whether like the fact that sort of mermaid in a wheelchair kind of like whether there was an element of like ableism in it i i like the fact that they were like oh it's so funny a wheelchair is hilarious it's like well for plenty of people a wheelchair (laughs) isn't hilarious because it's just part of what they need in order to live their lives and like yeah. the way that this is kind of done is like, oh, you should have been yucking it up. Like I didn't understand. Like I got the whole concept of like obviously these are like these the three ugly sisters were princesses from other stories, but like, you know, maybe not pick one of them that like doesn't have legs so that like. <laughs> what about Rapunzel? Rapunzel could have been there. I mean, like, because for me, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, and Rapunzel, they feel closer together to me now than Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, and Ariel. I would completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of kind of borderline offensive, Cinderella kept getting kicked. I was like, why is she getting kicked? Then she's bent over a table by Mama, who sort of thrusts into her backside. I was like, okay, oh, no, there was a, no. Then Little Red Riding Hood basically sort of jizzed up against her. I was like, guys, come on. There was an, like, I guess that there was probably a lot lost in the translation because, like, reading the lyrics of the song as you're going through, you're kind of only half keeping up what's happening because, mm. so, like, I didn't really understand the the story, so to speak. Like, I didn't really understand, like... <laughs> What did we, what did we think, like, what, what, like, I think it was obviously a story about, like, someone finding love for themselves by getting high. I don't really know where, where it was. I really, like, and I should say this, I de- genuinely really enjoyed it. I didn't understand a couple of things. The stuff that did stand out to me in a kind of, like, a what the fuck kind of a thing was the wheelchair the like sort of sexual harassment of Cinderella a couple of times throughout it (laughs) and like a couple of the dance breaks where I was just like what is happening here like I also don't enjoy and this is me turning into Michelle Visage here I thought that the two belch jokes were unnecessary I didn't understand it like what what were they adding like this kind of like like the drunken fairy thing I was like okay fair enough but like I don't know I just yeah I didn't mind it necessarily. Like, I was more put off by, you know, the wanking over the shoe. Yeah. And just the blatant, like, just disregard of Cinderella's consent in the in the whole musical, to be honest. Yeah. And then to be like, we didn't say much. And then not giving her any lines. when she basically has to be molested by the whole cast. I was I, like, in, in terms of, like, the overall aesthetic of the thing, I did think that the Countess looked the best i loved Mm. the countess's look i thought that like the countess looked fantastic um and 
there was yeah like it, it i did think that that vanessa van carte did seem a little bit sort of lost in the in the role and sort of like is very like is a bit quieter and more sort of you know introspective or whatever so it would have been an opportunity for them to go bigger um but then again the role was kind of small and mousy until the end and and if this was the US, you'd hear that story Vanessa tells kind of at the start of the show about losing work after their transition yeah. and then being at the brink of like suicidal ideations and feeling they need to start from the bottom and making it back up again and the power of positive thinking and believing in yourself and never giving up. You'd hear that story, which was so like I was very emotionally yeah. impacted by that story um, and think she's going to win this is her or she's going to go home and neither happened and look maybe it's good to, to, to switch up the format that's not yeah. necessarily bad but it's weird then to have this muted response to her performance after that yeah especially like when her like her look was so creative and so like mm. as a reveal like we get so many bad reveals like as like a really I mean one or two of them like less successful than like versions of that reveal on this one that like were less successful but it, there was an awful lot that in my mind watching it and I think like as someone who's watched a lot of Drag Race and you know understands the way producer narratives work kind of from watching a lot of it you are right I I kind of was anticipating Vanessa winning this entire challenge Mm. because I like I couldn't see anything like outrightly bad in her performance and I thought that she brought a lot to it when they started saying oh you know you were you were kind of shy and you know you're a bit like in the background like a bit of me kind of felt that they knew Ivy was going to go home. So they were like, we don't, we're not creating any tension about who we're going to be putting in the bottom. So we want to like give Vanessa a bit of a kick in the arse to kind of say, look, you know, get your acting gear. Because I do think mm-hmm. it would have made more sense to have the three sisters in the bottom based on the critique yeah. that they got on the main Based on what they said. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the fact that they are changing some of the classic themes of the runway. And I think we saw this with with Canada, where they take a challenge and they kind of heighten it or they kind of put a twist on it and it just gives it a much better feel for the series. Like when in the design challenge in Canada, they had to make sort of lines of yeah. looks where the three looks. So I thought that was a really clever way of doing it. And this having statements on the runway, I thought that was a really nice runway theme. And it's something like 13 seasons in RuPaul hasn't managed to think of. Yeah, I, lo- I love this runway. I-, I thought it was really clever. I thought everyone kind of interpreted it, well, with the exception of Vivaldi, everyone, Vivaldi. everyone interpreted it in a way that I was... And actually, I got what they were saying about... Um, I got what they were saying about um, the Countess as well. Like, I could see that, like, it, like it, you know, the mm. statement once the prop was gone, like, it kind of was just like, here's a pretty dress. But I, I really liked hearing everyone's statements. And it was a much more authentic and real way rather than the kind of, like, what would you say to little you know jerry or whatever um yeah and they got their time to explain it at the end which i thought was nice as well because i suppose breaking boundaries what's the statement sis so i suppose she got to explain it there and you're like okay yeah. fine whatever you know we didn't have friends but uh yeah i thought it was <laughs> like, you didn't have friends you know that's fine whatever yeah that's right um 
and and I thought like Ivy spoke incredibly powerful and like you know the writing was on the wall from Ivy from the minute the episode started but it was great that she got to have that moment and speak so passionately about the Asian hate that's yeah going on. I, I actually like I did agree with the woman who said uh, the, the woman we hate uh, milkshake festival lady about the fact that it did just look like crab arms because like when I saw it initially I was like that's what it looked like to me like I did not make the connection between it and coronavirus like especially because mm. like when you see the like little coronavirus um like the little picture of it like the like it it doesn't have spikes it has like little things with kind of like nubbins on the end yeah so it's kind of like it didn't even look visually like that um Mm -hmm. and i do think that kind of like when you look at say what tabitha did uh or like that there was there was looks on the runway and i would say that tabitha and uh, vanessa and my little puny really kind of did this where you could see what they were like either through having it written on them or whatever like you could really get like you you understood this there was a story in there whereas Vanessa and um Vanessa and Ivy both of them like once they had taken their prop off it really said nothing about what you know, it really said nothing about kind of what their statement. Well, well Vanessa's was trans pride, and she was looking beautiful in trans colors. I thought, so I thought that was. Oh no, 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 no! I was talking. Sorry, the Countess, the Countess, oh, and sorry. Ivy. And there, Ivy. There was oh yeah. Sorry. sorry, yeah, no, because I would have said that Vanessa was really powerful, mm. and the same for Tabitha, and yeah. the same for My Little Pony. It was like really this kind of like these are telling me these stories, and I'm seeing them. I, I do yeah, think. It, no, I agree. The Countess, and, yeah. and and I would say that like below both of them again is Vivaldi, who basically like, like. God, I cannot tell you how much my dislike for them has has elevated this week. I just am like, get them out of here. Don't want them. I thought they were going to be like a like a a kind of a um a Utica queen or Hugasio kind of you know that sort of occupy that thing. But now I'm just like, nope, forget about them. Get them out of here. Not interested. Um, I haven't gone that badly on them. I just think. Let the ball drop. Like I'm not, that didn't really piss me off, to be honest. But it it did look like yes, it didn't fit the theme. Yes, they just sold it poorly, and yes, it looked like a worse version of what Vanessa McCarthy wore the week before. Yes. So it was just like it was it was no on three fronts, yeah. you know. Uh, so it was a very poor poor performance, I think overall, and should have lip synced. I don't know how they ended up. Ah, uh, absolutely, should have lip synced. Um. The yeah, they have their moment. We hear My Little Pony talk about losing their dad to alcoholism, and that was again a really sort of nice moment. And I have to say, I think they're my favorite. Yeah, they're, My Little Pony and Vanessa are my two favorites. My Little, my little Pony. I actually another thing that that I that struck me about hearing the My Little Pony story was like you don't often hear a story about addiction. You don't <laughs> often hear a story about like addiction to alcohol where a child is talking about a parent where the relationship was positive. Like, I thought mm. that was, like, something that you, like, like, that is something, like, very different to to whatever, like, to, to that, like, narrative or that story that you would have heard before. And, I, like, yeah. I was kind of, you know, I don't know, like, it was it was sort of lovely and heartwarming, obviously tragic as well. But to see, like, how that impact can happen in, in, in a way where this person can, like love the person and see that you know anyway i, I thought that was a that was a neat that was a different yeah. story than i've heard with that like yeah i mean obviously it's someone's real life i always say narrative and i'm like it wasn't a narrative this is a real person well i, I think you might hear that more with mothers but with dads attend, especially on this show it tends to be more yeah troubled i guess yeah, yeah. but yeah no it definitely was a new point of view 
talking about not being a new point, putting something not new, I would say the producers were kicking themselves when they've been watching All Star 6 and on Vogue's Free Your Mind popped up. That's the second time the lip syncs have repeated so close to each other. They need to communicate with each other, get some sort of communal Spotify playlist on the go. Absolutely, mm. they definitely do. And Next week it's going to be little Richard got golly Miss Molly. Oh my God, <laughs> Tabitha rolling across that floor. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, I like, I mean, was that one of the worst lip syncs we've had on a drag race stage this year? I think it was Ivy's best performance of the three she's done. And... Uh, I mean, I barely remembered the other ones, so... Well, yeah, so maybe that's damning a faint praise. But I think now I do think the sync was off on some parts, but I also do think that the Countess didn't know the words. Yeah. And Fred basically said to her, that was shit, but you're through because you've done well in the past. And I kind of was like, you know what, That's that's not fair. I would agree. Um, I actually completely agree. I think that sort of, like, saying because the lip like also there is there is in drag race canon there is like you know what's that thing in law where like there's like kind of there's where something like has a pre there's precedent for this scenario (laughs) where the lip sync is uninspired get both bitches out if you were that Mm. uninspired by it you know, pull a Dax exclamation Leila McQueen on them. A honey Davenport a honey honey mahogany and, and Vivian Pinay. Both bitches go home. Like that Yeah, bring back Chusy Couture who's probably just sitting in a hotel room like Joe, that'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just sitting there taking some photographs. But no, I yeah, yeah I, I kind of was like like we have seen it in the past where Queens have done like, you know, not great lip syncs. I guess we did have the mm. meh where one queen got sent home and the other didn't. But I do think that it should, like the lip sync is meant to be the ultimate thing it comes down to. And if you're going to start saying we're going to make the, we're going to make a decision based on like track record, then that changes sort of something about the competition. Yeah. And I think the difference between the Met one was the Met one was like top five, really. They couldn't really get rid of two people or they were very close to the end. Whereas the, the yeah. Dax exclamation mark was quite early on. I did think they did have the opportunity to. And actually, when you talk about disliking Vivaldi based on that, I think actually I've actually really disliked the the Countess um, because she just came across as couldn't give a shit. Yeah, very like just see Miss Fame when I look at her, fully just see Miss Fame, though without the kind of uh, like humor and and like the, I think unknowing humor. And sort of like mm. likability that Miss Fame had. Um, that there's very much a kind of like, and even like she said in her first week, like, oh, I'm the Countess because I want to feel like there's that like, there's that sort of separation between me and the audience. And I'm like, I actually think that's coming back to bite you in the ass a little bit because yeah. it's it's prevent it, there is that separation is preventing us from from getting to know getting you to or know getting you. to like you, and especially mm. when there are so many queens who are very 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 likable on this season yeah. and I think that like, we've got four extremely likeable uh, queens with Vanessa My Little Pony Kesha Minaj and Tabitha and then you know th- they're the people you're pulling for who's going to go home next I would not be overly surprised so next week by what I saw in the ad of the makeover Make challenge yeah. yeah so I mean like like Tabitha doesn't have the most amazing lipstick or doesn't have the most amazing makeup so that could be a challenge mm. um 
I, I can't think off the top of my head who else would be. It, uh, it's tough, to be honest. I, I did see, opposite this episode, I did see Tabitha as maybe a trailer, but she did really well in this week's episode, so I don't know. But yeah, it could be. I also sort of feel like we're getting a Vanessa to leave soon edit maybe as well. So I don't know. But I do really love her and I do want her to go far. But yeah. it is kind of close amongst the rest of them so it is interesting yeah i mean i suppose because it's a makeup challenge i suppose like vivaldi and the countess both seem like they are probably going to do very well because those they have those like those skills mm. um now it could be that like one of them massively fucks it up by like overthinking it or kind of creating like doing something that like is at too outside the box or like isn't inspired enough or that classic thing of putting so much energy and effort into your own look and kind of like making your partner an afterthought mm. that could happen as well but yeah i feel like tabitha is the one that tabitha and vanessa actually are probably the two that i would i would feel are worry about yeah yeah me, me too In the latest episode of Drag Race Holland, host Fred Van Leer took an opportunity after the runway to highlight that in a very progressive country such as the Netherlands, there are still people who are trying to cure the gays. And when I heard that, it actually reminded me, James, of some of the work that LGBT Ireland, your employer, are doing. So if you have the opportunity, do you want to share with us kind of some of that, what, what that work is? No, no, I'm grand, thanks. <laughs> oh. All right, thanks. <laughs> Next. Thanks for coming. Um, no, so you're, um, you're very right. I suppose back in um, earlier this year, the the Northern Ireland took the lead on banning conversion therapy and I suppose there's been a concern about the fact that unless there's an All-Ireland ban on it and an All-Ireland ban on it that you're just going to end up having seeing similar perhaps to our situation with abortion that things will just getting it being exported kind of a, a, across the border and conversion therapy is something which is in entirely like unscientific complete bullshit like i don't even like calling it conversion therapy because that implies there's some kind of a therapeutic element to it there isn't it is basically someone telling an individual that their identity is incorrect and that they aren't and shouldn't be who they are so we have partnered in lgbt ireland with the rainbow project up in northern ireland to take a whole of ireland approach to how we can make sure that there is the same sort of anti-conversion therapy legislation put in place and we're using it a couple of different streams in there we've gotten some funding through the community foundation to try and create first of all an education program so that people are made more aware of conversion therapy and the dangers of it and then also creating policy sort of platforms so that within both jurisdictions we'll be able to say look this is what you need to do in order to be able to um in order to be able to challenge this and most importantly making sure that there's a consistency in sort of the absolute ban of it there there, there there is no point in having a ban on conversion therapy if there's any form of um of sort of outlets or sort of you know so if there's a religious exemption there's no point in having it because this isn't it's not as if the private sector is jumping up it, it is and so important that there's no exemptions across the board that we just accept people like lgbt people exist their identities are valid the people that they love are valid and we can't have people going around sort of basing their basing kind of re religious opinions 
that says, you know, we, you know, we're going to try and change. We're going to try and offer you some way to make you feel bad about yourself and change who you are. Because I mean, I've worked with, I work with older members of the LGBT community. Several of the people I would work with have experienced conversion therapy from back in the seventies and eighties in Ireland. And the impact it has stays with them up until this day. So this isn't just something that kind of, once you realize, oh, this doesn't work. I'm, you know, you're able to be like, you're able to kind of walk away from easily. It's damaging right to the very heart of who you are and very kind of dangerous for people, puts people in a very dangerous mindset. So I think it's fantastic that LGBT Ireland are taking the lead on this. I'm really excited to see mm-hmm. the, the work that we do with the Rainbow Project up in the north. There are kind of counterparts up there. Um, and I hope we can do it sort of as soon as possible to try and make sure that people are kept safe from it. And, and presumably it is happening in Ireland at the moment. Like, what does it look like? Is it private individuals being like hoodwinked by people believing that they can make a change? Is it like religious sort of foreheads you know foreheads you know prominent religious members telling other people to go get this done like what does it look like here well, in 2021 i suppose it's quite shady like it is it is quite shady the problem with it i, I suppose there is an an influence coming from evangelical us into ireland and you know there is like that religious element of it but also within other newer communities where you would have more extreme views on the acceptability of homosexuality or transgender um issues so like there is a whole other world within those newer communities that like we don't really have an eye on because we don't have a way into so like those practices will be existing in there and it will be like you would have heard from back in the day where kind of like a child is you know a, ch- a child is expressing themselves in a way that suggests that they may be a member of the lgbt community there's a concern about this so they are sent to somewhere to be programmed a different way or even a person or even just expressing femininity or masculinity when that doesn't align with what their parents perceive their gender to be exactly you know? exactly exactly and i suppose again as you have like more religious people who don't want those feelings or feel like kind of, you know, if you've been raised, if you're an adult who was raised in a, a very religious household with very staunch views on the acceptability or unacceptability of, of, of homosexuality, you're going to carry this guilt and shame with you. So you are going to seek out where you can kind of try and mm-hmm. get someone to help you, help you in massive inverted commas uh, to, to deal with them. And I suppose we need to cut off the this is terrible you need to cut off the avenues for people to seek that sort of um to seek that sort of treatment which is damaging and will only ever do harm to a person and educate people more on the fact that lgbt identities are perfectly valid and you should not <laughs> feel shame or guilt or anything and you should never be told you should feel shame or guilt for being a member of the community yeah Absolutely. Is there anything that people listening can do to sort of help the work LGBT Ireland are doing? Or is it just a matter of sort of following on social and staying abreast of the matter? Follow on social, stay abreast of the matter, write to your local representatives to say that this is, uh, this is a point that you think is important and this is something you want to hear. Because when we get to the point where we are taking the proposals to government, we need the people who are sitting in the cabinet to feel as if this is an issue people are engaged on. So if you're mm-hmm. listening here today, you should contact your local representative, whoever they are, to say, I'm concerned about conversion therapy. Are you introducing a ban? Are you for a ban on conversion therapy? And just push people for um, and push people for commitments on that. And then also don't let up. And when you hear the issue come back again, when we have the proposals, again get in touch with people. So it's about always, especially if you're especially if you're here, you're enjoying listening to a 
podcast which is about the beauty and many varied identities that queer people have and identities that we express if you're not a member of our community or if you're an ally of our community that's why it's so important that the role you can play is making sure that the people who are making the decisions are being held accountable to keeping us safe yeah absolutely all right back to the show I did a quick poll on uh, on our Instagram page at Sissy That Pod uh, to see well, who people want to win. I feel this is probably one of the most divisive finales in a while, maybe maybe season th- twelve, possibly. Um, and so you're Team Ginger, I'm Team Kylie. So I think that we're both. Well, you're Team Kylie, I'm Team Ginger. Mm-hmm. But I've got a Eureka rising and you have a ginger rising. Got a ginger so I think rising. I do. So I think that like overall we as a podcast are team ginger then? If that Yeah, I'd say nest ginger. <laughs> nest yeah. Ginger. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All> this terminology. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I said it'd be interesting to see what people would say. So we did a little question box in our stories and Thirty-eight percent said ginger. Thirty-eight percent said Raja. Twenty percent said Kylie, and only four percent said Eureka. And I've seen uh, Yuha Hamasaki do a similar poll. Presumably, her audience is a lot more US centric, and Raja was at like fifty percent there. Kylie was kind of around the twenties. Ginger was in the teens, and and Eureka was still single digit. So it looks like Raja's going to win, but if it's a, if it's a popular vote, which I don't know what I feel. How I feel. I don't. Mm, my preference would be for either Kylie or Ginger to win, because I think that over the course of the season they've shown like growth, versatility. I mean, Ginger, I think is just like the, an, a natural fit for the winner. I think that she really mm. is like she is like the definition of an all star. Um, like I think that Raja has like a huge amount of capacity and capability as well and like has really like done a like a 180 on like the season 11 experience but I, ju- I just there's something uh, there's something about her that when you put her next to the likes of like Shay and Monet and Alaska, Alaska and Trinity and Trixie said them all there and Chad like they're just it doesn't feel like like it feels like an opening act being mixed in with a load of headliners Mm, yeah and i was thinking about this recently like over the last few days and i suppose i kind of felt to a certain extent that of monet when she went into the hall of fame but she's then subsequently been such a prominent former cast member with all the sibling rivalry stuff and like she's kind of now she now she sits justly there in my head and i mean the argument you could also say about, about trixie but then trixie has such a big internet presence and maybe if raja does win she'll go on to be really omnipresent like them as well um but yeah i agree it doesn't fit right but then i was thinking well this season like we made the joke right at the top of the season which was this isn't really All-Stars. This is kind of second chances. So if the show has kind of changed, maybe the criteria to win has changed as well. Um. Yeah, I think though by the... Like, I think it's kind of... the. So my view on that is that the previous All-Stars, we say, for, 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 the, for a lot of people, or when you get to the kind of like the big names that were in it, the previous All-Stars were people who came in, they, they had nothing to prove. They were just there to like really show you what they got 
Whereas this season, it was people who came in and used the course of this competition to show you why they deserved it. And I think that, mm. like, of the top four, all of them have showed us why, like, they are astonishingly <clears throat> good performers. They all can, like, turn their hands to the different things that are required. I think that they've all done, like, they've all done exceptional work throughout the course of the competition. And, and so now it gets down to it. And I do kind of feel like now we are looking for someone who fits the bill as, like, an all-star. And I, yeah. I don't know, like, I mean... I, I I I just feel like any outcome for me other than Ginger winning will not feel right. And I like I'm going to say like I I I'm an outspoken fan of Eureka. I think Eureka is a brilliant queen. I think that she has like completely flipped the script on what her people's initial interpretation of was. She has grown so much as a performer. But even at that, I'm kind of like, no, the person out of this lineup who belongs in the Hall of Fame is Ginger Minj. Like, she yeah. is, like, undoubtedly on the same level as all of those other queens. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, and I do, and absolutely, I, that's how I feel as well in my gut. I'm like, it will feel wrong if any of the other three will win. But if there is one to break the mold, I would like that to be Kylie. And I, 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 I think another reason why I feel Kylie has the edge over... Stephanie Raja and Eureka and to a certain extent Ginger but doesn't have the history of being good as Ginger does Mm -hmm. is because I feel the runways she's had the best runways of the final four I know there's a a lot of conversation about how Raja made all the runways herself which is incredibly impressive but I think you could also tell they were like good solid outfits they would be a good wardrobe I think for a main season but I don't think it was a standout wardrobe for an all-star season and Ginger kind of you know she has her own runway uh, during yeah. herself and I just think out of the ones who are left Kylie wiped the floor with the runways and I think she did really well in the majority of the important tasks as well yeah I, I felt that she was pushed a little bit in some of them like I don't necessarily like I think her snatch game we saw I think we talked about this the other day her snatch mm. game was brilliant her Steve Tyler was brilliant but I didn't necessarily see her that performance as Jessica Lang as being as good as it no. was and I felt as if Ginger like was the person who stole the scene in, in that in, in yeah. and I think at every I do agree she she's she won the wrong challenge and I think that won't go well for her yeah but she didn't win the challenges she should have done well in in a certain way like but yeah it's hard to know and, and I also think that sort of with Ginger like she has been she has been consistently great the entire season like even mm. her you know left a field choice to have uh, Fergie as her like diva of choice for things it's like you know she did exceptionally well in that challenge and like her strengths are more in personality and in in mm. in, in personality and in, in in comedy but she still managed to like do a really good job at like a, a dance challenge essentially yeah so I, I and it'd be good to have a proper i know alaska is a comedy queen but like she's also other things whereas you know it's good to have somebody who's like first weapon of choice is comedy in the hall of fame yeah because we don't really have that and i i think you know season six so this is the bianca season and i think that there is no one more deserving of the the, mm. the bianca scepter than than ginger minge yeah very true we also did a poll on people's favorite moments um only three really came back to any sort of degree of frequency do you want to guess well, i suppose you saw them as well there well i i didn't look i okay okay I, do you want to guess what they were then for the sake of a game for the episode so laganja estranja the mm-hmm. splits silky's barbie girl 
And, oh, so the third one. What would the third one be? I mean, it's maybe Dolly Parton? No, Trinity K. Bonet as Beyonce. Oh, here. Yes. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting that here we are at the final four. And three of the two of the most memorable moments were from people who aren't even in the competition. Or one of them was yeah. someone who's like... One of them wasn't even on the competition. One of them went home in week three and, t- and like, you know, Trinity was in that lip sync with Laganja as well. So, like, two of them are Trinity K. Bonet and she isn't even in the final, do you know? And I just, I think, I, I know you're happy Eureka's in the final, but I think this conversation we'd be having if Trinity was there would be even more complicated because I think Eureka's an easy one for people to discount because she's already gone home. Yeah. Whereas if Trinity had, you know, Trinity wouldn't have gone home if she was, if she'd got through the last episode. And... It's very hard to know then who would have won. It would have been more difficult, I think. So, Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting as well because, <coughs> you know, they were quite an even match. Because in in the the top four before Eureka came back, like Trinity had two wins under her belt. Mm. And like she almost was like painting herself a bit as the kind of the, the underdog, even though like the reality was that like Kylie only had one win. And, yeah. like, was getting consistently kind of, you know, middling feedback on the fact that she wasn't maybe, like, as vocal as some of the other things. So, like, Trinity almost decided for herself, oh, I'm the underdog here. When in reality, like, she was the front runner, and then she was joined by two other front runners. You know, like, so I think that... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like there would have been a stronger case, I think, for Trinity to have won if Trinity had gotten through than I think there yeah, is for Raja. I think so to... too. I think we would be saying it's a ginger Trinity head to head, possibly. But I don't know. Raja's obviously really popular as well, so I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. I fi- I feel Rude tends to go with the most popular queen, and I, that will probably be Raja. But then Lawrence Cheney won, so who knows? That is true because I mean we were we were all team bimini um mm. but rue did love and i mean now not to get into like the, the sort of like talking of like a oh, we need this type of winner that type of winner the other type of winner like a lot of conversation has happened over the course of this season about the fact that when it comes to the hall of fame and when it comes to the the canon of drag race in general we have not seen a plus size queen win but we have just mm-hmm. had Lawrence cheney win uk season two so maybe there will be a sense of like oh you know, we can give it to the most popular queen, even though Ginger deserves it more. Like, you know, do you remember during like All Stars four, there was like a huge amount of the, the there was a lot of conversation yeah. about the like lack of diversity with the, with the queens who won, and then when and there was that racist uh, photo that went around. Remember, photoshopped of Trinity and then Monet and Monique and and uh, Naomi. Yes, do you remember that? Yeah, mm. and like there was a big conversation about kind of like the need to make the hall of fame more diverse and then there was like conversations about like oh well it's meant to be a competition and the best person is meant to win and blah 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 blah. and there was lots of conversations had at the time about how trinity was the deserving winner but monet was put in there for like whatever kind of other reasons. diversity quota yeah quote unquote. exactly and i think now looking back you're like well actually i would say that monet has been a like a more like i would put i would actually now looking back be like well monet sort of absolutely was, has made a better legacy of it than Trinity. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, Shea Coulee came along, and regardless of what colour anyone's skin was, she was the person that was going to win All-Stars <laughs> 5. So, like, yeah. I don't like the idea that you kind of are, like, we need, like, a diversity quota win. But I do think that it, it's important that at some stage th- th- there is, like, you know... Especially because... now, And this is me getting into... This is me going off down a rabbit hole of, like... 
you know, it, we kind of talk about how, like the the runway always trumps kind of a lot of stuff, and so like you can be a funny queen or you can be like a a, a, a creative queen, but like your runway look is what like really kind of is going to be one of the things that's going to be defining about you, and mm. a lot of times like skinnier people will get away with a lot more because they have a, a greater variety of <clears throat> a greater variety of looks available to them. So like yeah. there is kind of like a, oh. Is it that she was killing the runways? Is it that she was like really knocking the runways out of the park? Or is it just that she was like skinnier? <laughs> you yeah. know? No, that is true. And in terms of, you know, talking about optics and look, optics are important, but they're absolutely not everything. Does RuPaul need a trans winner more than Kylie needs to win Drag Race? Possibly. You know, it depends how much Ru wants to crawl back on some of the comments they've made in the past to make yeah. themselves look better you know for the legacy of the show maybe it's necessary so it's it's going to be an interesting final and i'm looking forward to see who wins yeah uh, me too and it, like there's it's it's interesting like you know as you you there's because there's so many millions of people out there who watch this so passively and don't think about it mm-hmm. in these terms like it is there's a whole group of people who are just having the conversation about like who overall they enjoyed the most rather than thinking about these different things and yeah, I am curious to see, like, regardless of, like, diversity quotas or anything like that, I think that, that the person who has proven themselves consistency, consistently to be the best this season is Ginger. And I think, I hope she's rewarded for that. Yeah. Right, well, only a few days to go until we find out who the winner of All Stars 6 is. Thank you for joining us this week on The Workroom. We have a different episode lined up for you next week where we'll be joined by the wonderful Jamie O'Hurley to discuss Paris is burning. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.